0: Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to Dazed and Infused. I'm Latham Woodward, your host. And tonight, we're very fortunate to have Andrew Andrew D'Angelo here as our guest, uh, co-founder of Harborside. Many of you know Harborside and his brother, Steve D'Angelo. Um, welcome, Andrew, to Dazed and Infused.
2: Well, it's great to be with you today, uh, Latham, and all your listeners and community. Hello out there. Hope everyone's staying safe.
1: Right on. Good. Yeah. Good. Good entry there. And coronavirus, COVID-19 is hitting us all hard. We're all in uh, self-isolation here and it's getting a little weird and a little tiring. (laughs) I'm sure you know that. Um, My first question always is before we go into a more serious subject and we're going to delve away from the edibles and uh, that kind of subject tonight, we're going to talk about um, last person or project. But first off, What's your historical uh, relationship to cannabis? You and your brother, Steve, you're about my age and my brother's age. So we came up at the same time. Where'd you grow up and how'd you get into cannabis?
2: Well, great question. My brother and I, our parents raised us in the Washington, D.C. area. My parents answered John Kennedy's call to do something for your country and so they moved to Washington D.C. shortly after they got married in Philadelphia. And my dad took a job with the government. And my brother is ten years older than me, and he got into cannabis when he was thirteen. So I was only three or four at that time. And I guess you could say I was born into it. Uh, once Steve fell in love with the plant, uh, it, it it you know I came up uh, ten years after him. Uh, I came up as an athlete. My first dream as a young, young man was to be an athlete as a kid really was to be an athlete, like a lot of kids in America. And of course I was the best athlete in my neighborhood. Um, not quite the best athlete in my high school, but, um, it was still my dream. And, and I got hurt in high school when I was 15. I I had a bad injury, uh, back injury. And well, my dream was over right there. And then, and, and my brother, I was in my mom's kitchen. I remember very vividly. And my my brother handed me a joint um, and said, this will make you feel better. And I, little voice inside me said, you got to take that joint, man. And so I did. And, um, and the little voice was right. And my brother uh, was right. And I did feel better. And not only did my physical pain go away, but my depression from losing my athletic dream lifted. I was able to see there's more to life than just playing sports. There's more to one's career and and dreams than being an athlete. And I was able to pick myself up again and, and dream again and, and figure out new and better things to do with my life. And, and the first thing I did was start selling weed and decided to be on the (laughs) cannabis trail. Uh, and that was 37 years ago. And so.
1: Slinging slinging weed in high school or after that? Slinging
2: weed in high school.
1: (laughs) Welcome to the club. Yeah.
2: yeah, (laughs) Familiar story. (laughs) Many of us got started that way, um, in the eighties and nineties. And, um, and it's, it's certainly, you know, just like you we're now legal. Uh, and we have been for 15 years. We, Many of us, you all know, our work with Harborside, but before oh, sure. that, we had a, a industrial hemp company called Ecolution in the '90s, and of course, we helped legalize medical in California and Washington DC, and uh, and then for adult use here in California, uh, also. So we we've, we've done the political work. You, 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 you can't really come up in the eighties and nineties and do the transactional work without doing the political work. If, if you were smart, um, um, because that was the way to prevent getting going to jail for a long, long period of time. Um, uh, at least, um, for us, that was a big part of our strategy. Um, and it it was expensive. (laughs) Um, uh, so, um, but we got it done. And, and so that's been the journey so far. And there's still, you know, a long way to go. You mentioned the virus at the beginning. And, and while all of us are getting a little cabin fever, just imagine if you're in prison and, and you can't keep six feet away from other people and, and, and no one's giving you any protective gear whatsoever. And, you know, you're in prison. Imagine yeah. what that's like. So, 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 you know, Last Prisoner Project is a nonprofit. Steve and I started it last year, about a year ago now, um, to help all those folks, uh, not just when there's a virus hitting, but just get everybody out. You know, weed's legal time to get them yeah, out.
1: I agree. And your approach and I'm great transition there because I, I like the backstory, um, of you and Steve, um, your, your path is so similar to so many people I speak to in terms of our age group in the 45 to 60 range. And we all started out surreptitiously selling weed on the side, make a little cash and do that kind of thing, you know, um, for those of you at home who don't know who Steve D'Angelo and Andrew D'Angelo are, you need to look them up. It, our access to legal weed now is greatly because of their efforts and you're to be applauded for that. So thank you very much from me personally. Um, thank you. Last Prisoner Project. Um, I did some research on incarceration. Currently, there's 40-plus thousand people in the United States incarcerated in U.S. prisons, both public and private. The average cost in 2019 of incarcerating a prisoner in the United States, this is the average cost, is $81,000 per person. That translates to $3.24 billion that we are throwing down a shitty tube with no good results, no reformation of character, no change, no um, rehabilitation basically, because our prison system is not set up to rehab, it's set up to screw people. And this is an unjust system. I'm very fiscally conservative, and when I talk to my friends who are fiscally conservative and they say, oh, this is a good thing, I say, you're full of shit. The best thing we can do is get these people back in the workforce. The best thing we can do for them is rehab them truly And the best thing we can do is not prosecute cannabis crimes, for one. It's illogical from a um, fiscal standpoint to incarcerate people or keep them incarcerated at this great expense. So my question to you is, how much do you think the prison industrial complex has to do with this continued incarceration of our citizens for really bogus charges?
2: Well, I think the prison industrial complex plays a similar role with prisons that the military industrial complex plays with wars. Um, it's there. There's a direct relationship. It's hard for us to measure that in a real way and to understand the relationship because we cannabis people have just now begun to build political relationships and allies and understand what that pay to play system is all about. (laughs) And we don't have a whole lot to pay. And so we can't play.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What do you have to give? You always have Um, to give,
2: but, but the military industrial compact and the, prison industrial complex does have that ability and political power. So, um, I, I think there is a pretty strong relationship between those two things and the 40,000 people you mentioned earlier, those are just cannabis prisoners that there's actually 2.3 million Americans locked up right now. Um, uh, and, and the 40,000 cannabis prisoners, that's just our best guess. You know, a lot of these case files and, and, and so forth have multiple charges in them and you don't know which one was, right. Why are they in prison? Are they in prison for money laundering or was it the cannabis or was it the, you know, firearm they found with the, in the, in the stash, with the weed right. and the money,
1: you know. It's the definition. Um, it, the definition has to be really pulled out.
2: Yeah. And you know, you know, I mean, when we were underground we had to do this, illicitly, you know, sometimes you had to have firearms to protect yourself and your family. It's not, you know, you, you had to protect yourself from thieves as much as you did the police and, 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 oh, yeah. and, 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 those, those always add a lot of charge years onto time and different charges when you have the firearm in there. So, um, but I, I, I think the, you know, there should be no for-profit prison.
1: Absolutely. In, it's in a, it's, it's literally world. a crime. It's a crime that it, these it, things it's exist. A, it's,
2: yeah, it's a crime against humanity to have a for-profit prison and to have them in the United States of America is just flabbergastingly absurd.
1: Yeah, um, ulterior motives rule. I mean, I'm sorry, you cannot have a situation where you're making money off of someone's misery. That's disgusting.
2: Yeah, I know. It's awful, you know, and, and, and this is the, the root cause of the problem. And, 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 and what happens is you have a recession and then everyone goes, Oh God, all this money we're spending on prisons. Can't we privatize this somehow? Yeah. Um, and then they go ahead and do it. Um, and, and, and that's how all this gets started. Um, and, and, and I worry in a recession that's happening with this virus that that'll happen even more. And then, you know, these these prison companies lobby elected officials to bust people for weed and and, and other things, other uh, other things. People shouldn't go. There's all these things people go to jail for now shouldn't go to jail for. I mean, I I read a story in a book called Just Mercy of people going to jail for writing bad checks that aren't even that much. A few hundred dollars and they go to jail for a long time. Now, they're usually poor. They're usually black. They usually live in the south. But you know what? It happens. And it's just unbelievable to
1: me. The big reform right now that's happening, which I do believe is probably the best reform we've currently seen in our modern times, is the revocation of a bail, you know, the the necessity to create a bail for someone to get out on a small charge. Yeah, Uh, that's a a step in the right direction, because certainly people of color, um, minorities are adversely affected by that. And so this is definitely a step in the right direction. Thank God.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, the bail, if you get busted, I got busted with half a pound of weed in 05. So this was nine years after we legalized eight medical. Ounces,
1: for those I had knows. eight
2: ounces. I had all my paperwork, still busted me. My bail was $250,000. No, so,
1: where? In Alameda County? No, this was L.A. County. Oh Jesus!
2: A little bit south, right? A little bit farther south, a little more conservative. 05, a little bit while ago. I, I still can't. Two I still can't believe that. Two hundred.
1: Do you know how many times? 000. How many times did you have that amount in your car back then? Oh my was, God! All the time. that was one that was time. A
2: small amount. Yeah, that was a small amount. I was driving through. They had some checkpoint set up, and I was driving through there, and you know they—that's oh. how they got me. But um um. Uh, uh, it was crazy, you know, yeah. that, and, and I had to sit there for, it took me a while to get a bail reduction hearing. So I had to sit there for a little, for a few days, you know, cause I wasn't going to pay that. No. Um, Um, so, So, and I, I, you know, and that's a white guy like me, you know, imagine if if my skin was black, what I'm looking at your,
1: your Instagram feed on just mercy. I'm going to pick that book up and read it. Brian, Brian Stevenson for the people at home who are not seeing us. Great
2: book. And it's now a movie. If you, if you, if books are kind of hard for you to get through time wise, it's now a movie. You can
1: check out the movie. It's called Just Mercy, A Story of Justice and Redemption by Bryan Stevenson. Um, we're going to go to first break. And when we get back, we're going to talk more about arrests. Steve, has been his brother, has been very, very vocal about his airport arrest, And we're very happy to have Andrew D'Angelo here with us. We'll be right back.
0: We'll be back to Crave Your Sweet Tooth with more Dazed and Infused right after this.
1: Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots.
2: <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out.
1: 2000- Garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com.
0: Elevate your everyday with that Sugis feeling with the sweet taste of Sugis. Add a cup of Sugis to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is! Sugis infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. How sweet it is. Dazed and Infused is back only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: We are with Andrew D'Angelo, and we're having a great conversation about all things weed, all things cannabis, and the COVID nineteen, which we're currently involved in. As we left for the break, uh, I asked Andrew about uh, one of my pet peeves right now, and it's driving me crazy: the commercially available CBD. You find it CVS, Walgreens, Safeway, Ralphs, Vons, everywhere. What's your take on this? You're an expert on this. I'm calling bullshit and snake oil.
2: Yeah. Well, the problem, you know, like any cannabinoid or natural compound, you always want to know where these things are are grown, how they're grown, how they're processed, how they're made. Right. I only eat organic vegetables whenever possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always try to source my cannabis from companies and farms that I've actually been to, or I know a whole lot about. Um, That's and great. I, I, so uh, there's a lot of CBD being made from yeast. Yeah. Being made from nasty chemical yeast made in petroleum, just all kinds of nastiness um, in China. And, non-tested, um,
1: non-tested and in China. We need to say that this is coming out of China. A lot of it.
2: Yeah. Well, and you know, I I I I I don't say that to scare people about coronavirus, but no. but just it's not a local, um, it's not an American product, it's not made here. The supply chain is not um, coming from our genetics. You know, um, there's no
1: testing whatsoever. There's
2: no testing, and when you can source CBD that has that is local, that you do know where it comes from, that is tested, why wouldn't you do that? Um, exactly. Uh, so. And I do worry about the snake oil. Uh, um, If we, there's five milligrams of CBD is not going to do anything for anybody Um, um, if there's no THC in it, and even if there is, probably not 50, 100, 200 milligrams, maybe 25 milligrams at the low, low, low end if your blood's spring water, um, maybe you know, yeah, but, yeah. um, uh, 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 so, and, and, you know, you see all these ads and you see all this, you know, you can get a CBD latte in West Hollywood. Now, um, it's not going to do anything for you. It's going to have maybe half a milligram of CBD in it for $15 and if you wanna, more. <laughs> if you're going to put a, another five or 10 bucks down on your latte to get a half a milligram and you're smart enough to do that. I <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> But, you know, I think the FDA is going to start having stuff to say about this. And and the problem is when you have bad actors out there or you just have exuberant actors like CVS, I
1: guess. And hopping on the bandwagon, you know,
2: it makes it really hard for all of us because the FDA thinks everyone behaves that way. And um, and they pass rules to prevent a whole bunch of other good stuff that might happen otherwise. So. It hurts the um, cannabis
1: industry. It really does.
2: Yeah, and, and it's all a lot of it is hype, as you said. Um, yeah. Cannabinoids are useful compounds for human beings to take in the right doses from the right sources, and, and everybody should do that, really. Yeah. Everybody on Earth should do that. I do think it will probably take us 10 years, but I think this is in every medicine cabinet on
1: Earth um, in 10 or 20 years. Uh, I'm certainly hopeful of that. I'm certainly hopeful, you know?
2: Yeah. And, and, and I think it will be framed as a medicine by and large, um, somewhat as an intoxicant. Um, but you know, people just, unless they OD on edibles, in which case they're not going to go out and do a bunch of reckless stuff unless they're already psychotic or have some kind of mental illness. Right. Um, uh, they're going to go crawl in a hole and pray for their mommy to make it end. Um, yep. you know, basically <laughs> yeah. I've done that on several occasions.
1: <laughs> Join the club, Andrew. Join the club.
2: <laughs> Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's just a different experience. So, so, uh, I, 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 I think that you respect these compounds or don't at our own peril as a society, really.
1: You know, the, I interviewed the chef, um, Edible D, D. Russell, and on another program, and or this same program, but the other night. And she said the great thing for a consumer to know is use the price point. Because if you're getting something for $20 at CVS that says it's CBD, you're not getting CBD. And that's the great rule to go with. So now we're yeah. going to transition into... The portion of this, the show we call Stony Story, and if there's anything you'd like to share with the people at home, uh, just a sh- short snippet about something funny that happened to you when you're stoned or a friend was stoned. Everybody likes a Stony Story.
2: Well, okay, I I will I will tell you um, I'll tell you one uh, uh, that that has a little bit of a serious bent uh, since we've already talked about last Christmas project. But I'll talk we'll about take the first it. time. We'll take it. First time I ever got caught with weed, um, uh, when I was uh, a young man, I I, I went on a trip to Mexico and then Belize. And I'm in Belize, and I'm with a a new girlfriend at the time. We're just having a wonderful time. It's our last day in Belize, so we decide to go up the river and we consume all this cannabis and other visionary plants and. Um, and you know we have a great time on the river we go back down it's time to leave it's time to cross the border back to Mexico we, we pack everything up and um, I, I gave some very specific instructions on, on how to stash the weed so we wouldn't get caught um, and um, the, the woman traveling with me at the time you know assured me that she had follow those instructions and um, when we went to cross the border, <laughs> Um, mm. uh, I learned that, uh, uh, the instructions weren't followed. And, and in fact, the border agents, uh, found, uh, the cannabis. Luckily it wasn't too much cannabis. Um, and luckily the visionary plants had worn off. <laughs>
1: yeah. That, I, I hate that. That's the first thing you hear is, uh, señor, can I talk to you here? <laughs> it's like, uh Oh,
2: and uh-oh. man, I tried everything. I tried bribing them. I tried everything oh, no. that they, they were determined to lock me up for for the night and mm. um and then when i got into the jail i was kind of happy the visionary plants hadn't quite worn off all that bad <laughs> they worn <laughs> off <laughs> enough for me to interact with police but not not and drive a car but 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 i was able to sort of tap into that magic sitting in that uh, jail cell and um right. uh, and um, I trip out a little bit. The next morning, the magistrate gave me a fine and and sent me on my way. And, and there you and, go. Uh, and it was all it was all good. <laughs> there you
1: go, folks. Another Stony story from Andrew D'Angelo. <laughs> Always so, um, follow
2: the instructions.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to the letter. So, Andrew, um, got anything you want to plug uh, tonight and get you some? Traction on yeah, the I'd
2: love to plug the lastprisonerproject.org is our website. We have a petition up there active right now to get our cannabis prisoners out during this virus outbreak. On
1: change.org, if you're already a subscriber, change.org lastprisonerproject.
2: Yes, um, thank you so much. And um, and if you own a dispensary or a cannabis company, we have two programs. One is called Roll It Up, where we have a little bucket next to the register at dispensaries. People put their change in there, and we have a program for brands to put. Uh, a certain amount of money uh, a month comes to LPP and you get a little logo to put on your brand. You can uh, inquire about those at our website. You can always, always reach out to me at andrew at andrewdangelo.com. Check out my website. You can learn more about my story and what I've done over the years and um, reach out to me. I love to hear from your community.
1: Right on. Great, great project and well worthwhile. Let's get these guys out of, out of prison. They don't need to be there. Um, we're going to wrap it up. And thanks again, Andrew, for being here. And this show brought to you as always by Shugies. s h o o g i e s dot com. Delicious agave and sugar infused with low dose, five milligrams of THC per packet. Now in single packs available in many, many dispensaries near you. Also many delivery services, which we all need right now. Andrew, thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Lathan. Take it easy. Thank you too. And be safe. Be safe. Thanks. Man. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com.